This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I am each and every week by the lone member of the Glory Kickboxing Hall of Fame, Bazooka Joe Valtellini. And maybe uh, somebody who's going to be inducted into the Glory Kickboxing Hall of Fame one day is the, the middleweight champion of the world, Israel Adesanya, who... Yeah. While his accomplishments in glory don't really match up to his MMA accomplishments, had a fantastic weekend uh, taking on Robert Whitaker in the rematch and uh, having a pretty solid performance to earn a unanimous decision win. Yeah, and I think uh, more than just Adesanya's in-ring performance, I mean, fight week just feels a little bit more special when he's fighting. I think he brings in a little bit more excitement. It brings in almost, I'm going to say it, the Conor McGregor feeling when Adesanya fights. And I, and I think, I know he just redid his contract and he's got paid a lot more money, but I think it shows itself. Fight week seems better. Prefs conferences tend to have a little bit more excitement. He's very social, a lot more headlines. So he brings the action in and out of the ring, so uh, great weekend for him. Not quite sure it's McGregor level just yet, but it certainly does it's have in uh, an interesting feel. It's, it's on its way. It's on its way. I mean, Who McGregor level is, is only there's only been one person to re reach McGregor levels in MMA, and that's McGregor, right? Like, yeah. I would Who say would be that close though. Who's close to bring that type of energy during fight week? Like, I would probably compare it to like a Ronda fight week. And okay, not yeah. not not to compare Israel to Ronda in terms of you know what they can do in the cage, but it's just it's like a second tier of excitement. At this yeah. stage. No dollies being thrown. No Nate Diaz's and Nick throwing just, things at each other yet. Since I've covered MMA, I just have never seen anything like a Conor fight week. Like, it's a different thing. It's a different yeah. animal. The, uh, even the people just waiting outside where he's going to be is probably insane. Who, for McGregor? For, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got, like, a whole crew with him. He's got bodyguards. Like, I, Israel doesn't... Israel has his team with him. But, like, yeah, I don't think that anybody in MMA has really gotten to that same kind of stratosphere as a Conor McGregor but like if you're looking at like tier two which is not a bad thing I mean there are very few that have reached that tier two as well yeah. <laughs> you're talking about like Chuck Liddell and Israel and Ronda Rousey and GSP like that that's I think more of the area code that he's in right now yeah and I just think it's it shows a lot of fighters that this is kind of you have to start kind of bringing that attention if you want those bigger paydays because you know, from what it seems like, Adesanya with his new contract is very happy with it. And he's fighting, he's promoting, he's doing good things with it. All right, so I rewatched the fight yesterday just to uh, see if, you know, when I score a fight on fight night, I'm thinking about my coverage. I'm thinking it's 1 a.m. You know, I'm thinking about I have just watched the whole slate of fights. I can't really judge it with as, as clear of a vision as I can when I go to it after the fact with no commentary and really... Yeah focus on what's going on, and I, I had scored it the same way. I thought that Israel won every round except for the fifth. The second round, very, very, very close. Like, the, the, the only... It was, like, one little nuance that made me give the second round to Israel, which was when he landed a, a, a leg kick on Whitaker, he stumbled a little bit. Like, he just showed that there was some damage that was being accrued on that leg. And that was enough yeah. for me to give Israel the round. But if you gave Whitaker that round, I can't fault you. And at the end of the event, I said... You know, I have it 49-46 for Israel, and I think that, like, unless the Texas judges get involved, he should win a unanimous decision here. And people were freaking out. Oh, it was a really close fight. Is Whitaker should have won. I just think that in, in order to give Whitaker three rounds of that fight, you really have to take liberties with the scoring criteria and uh, and overlook a lot of the good work that Israel did to the lower body. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. Um, I had it 3-2. I mean, I'm watching very critically. Like, watching live, I mean... It was uh, I was a little tired, so I couldn't give you the full perspective. But rewatching it, I get, definitely gave it 3-2. Uh, and that's being that little liberal, but second round uh, Whitaker. You saw the leg kick. I saw Whitaker landing a few more punches that kind of made. I know it's part of Adesanya's style to kind of pull his head back. But a few of those shots kind of rocked him back a little bit. I just felt like the better shots were landed by Whitaker. But very close like i mean minuscule things and talking about those low kicks i think for some reason as the fight went on adesanya stopped going to I it no i noticed that too and i watched it yesterday i was like he, he, I was he like, wasn't what the heck he was throwing a lot more of the left uppercut instead a lot yeah. of counters but he wasn't going to the leg quite as often i feel like he could have in three four five i'm like you barely threw it you weren't setting them up well and that was your best landing shot so i mean it just shows that i think that uh i don't know there's always that little bit of those small improvements that even the best can make. It's also really the, the best way to nullify somebody like a Whitaker who's going to try to have to close. He's going to have to try to close the range. He's going to yep. have to try to go for takedowns. He likes to lunge forward with his strikes. If you take away that front leg, you're really taking away a lot of Whitaker's strengths. 
by doing that. And again, I, I don't want to take anything away from Robert Whitaker because I think that he's the clear second best guy in this division. I thought it was a very competitive fight. You know, again, I wouldn't have given three rounds to Whitaker, and I think it would have been surprising to me to see any of the judges do that. But yeah. I, uh, yeah, I mean, and Mike Beltran even gave Israel the fifth round. He gave Israel one, three, four, and five, which I found to be surprising. I thought I thought the fifth was Whitaker's best round, but it was still yeah. a very close round, right? Like the first round was really the only round that wasn't really really close. Yeah, Everything else yeah. was very, like, there's a couple shots here and there changed the trajectory of each round. And, I mean, I think a lot of people were, like, for some reason, overvaluing those takedown attempts from Whitaker when oh, sure. really they didn't do nothing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and, and that's what it is. It's That's what the criteria looks at is, like, are you doing any damage with the takedowns? And even when he had Israel's back in the fourth round, he was going for chokes, but he wasn't. He was never really under the neck. Israel didn't need to do much to fight out of it, and then Israel was able to shuck him off. Like you just don't get points for that. Yeah, I mean, if it's close though, isn't that the second criteria? Trying to finish the fight over somebody else? Uh, no, the second criteria would be uh, control, and that's if all things are equal. And I, and they, you know, from what I learned from um mark goddard's course it's like 99.9 percent .9 of the time that secondary criteria doesn't come into play shouldn't even be into play. so 99.9 percent .9 of the time would mean like one in a thousand like most yeah. of the time you're not going to see that be weighed by the judges unless and it's usually a situation where there's very little striking in a round like if you see a round where there's three strikes each landed then maybe you go to the secondary criteria but most of the time a judge should be able to discern who has won a round without having to think about control yeah, because well, I, I thought some of those were really close. And I mean, that little bit of like, hey, he had his back for even 30 seconds, was trying to get a choke that can give that slight advantage in some. But in my eyes, it still wasn't enough to, to kind of steer rounds like that. But unless you secure the choke, it's not effective grappling. You're just trying, you're, you're attempting things, but it's the equivalent of like throwing a strike that misses, right? Like you're, that, that doesn't score. Well, I mean, but if you're throwing a strike that misses, you're both in a 50-50 position. When you're on someone's back, already you're in like a 70-30 advantage position, right? But that's, that's not the really ultimate position you want to be. It's I know not, it's yeah. not, but I mean, I think that is a, a downfall. When you have someone's back in martial arts and fighting, you are in a dominant position. You're in the safest position. You're in a position to do the most damage. So if you can get someone's back in any way, I think there should be a slight extra value. I would, agree with, I would agree with that personally. It's just that's just not what the scoring criteria says, yeah. right? Like, get, into a, get into a street fight. Try to take someone's back. It's almost impossible. They keep right. turning different directions. That's the last place you want someone is behind you. And if someone can get there... Whether they're doing nothing or not, I still think it's an, uh, an advantage. For sure. And I think that that's what a lot of people have issues with, with how they score fights. Is like They look at stuff like that and they say, well, that's a dominant position. That should score. But yeah. in reality, it doesn't. It doesn't, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's where there's a bit of a misnomer in that regard. Like A lot of people look for takedowns and look for grappling and things like that. But... Um... Yeah, that, so the, the it's only... almost like scoring is almost like politics. No one knows what's going on. So it's, there we go. It's yeah. nice. We're all no, lost. But, but we all make up our own. There's a big difference though because the scoring criteria is like written down in paper. It doesn't change every yeah, day. We, <laughs> we, have law, not, we have law that they're not putting new things every in every week. Yeah, it's the scoring that's actually more legit than the politics. That's so. what I mean. The scoring yeah. criteria is far more legitimate than, yeah. than uh, po uh, political policy. Yeah, that that can change go. on a dime. Scoring criteria oh, yeah, is set. Yeah. So that's fine. <laughs> it would take, take years to change the scoring criteria. Yeah. You can change yeah. voting rights in like a week. That's it. One quick <laughs> Just vote. Back State of emergency. Call some people. Not the rules. Not the scoring system. Yeah. Scoring system. That's uh, that's not to be uh, not to be Never. meddled with. Uh, but yeah, that, and that's why we we look at that as the gospel when you're when you're scoring fights because that's what it is, right? Like you have to go by that scoring criteria. And if you're going to criticize judges for not taking uh, grappling into effect, it's like not it's not their fault. They're following their own guidelines. <laughs> I think this is a time now more than ever where people need to educate themselves more on scoring. It just seems like it's a, a common topic. It's out there more, even with the commentators. It's just I just feel this is a time where people are more critical and just need to educate themselves 100 more. I agree with you. And we saw a couple of scorecards that were very iffy. Uh, on this there was night. one I heard. Hold on a second. I, I was again, like I always listen. I'll hype them up. The Anakin Florian to help prepare for the show. And they mentioned you. There was someone who had a bogus scorecard, and apparently you tweeted or something that they were a rocket scientist. Yeah, my tweet okay, was. Okay, I need to hear this story. My tweet. So, Casey O'Neill versus Roxanne Modafferi. Did you watch the fight? Uh, yes, I did. I mean, that was a very clear win for Casey O'Neill. 
Yes. No, dis- no disrespect to Roxy. I thought that her final outing was very Roxy and Mata very. Like she, she, yeah. she went out on her shield. She was coming you know, forward, pushing the action the entire time. You know, yeah. But Casey O'Neill won that fight. I think it was pretty clear. So I, this judge who scored it for Mata Ferry, I knew that people were going to freak out about it. So I looked the guy up because I had never heard of this judge before. He's a Texas judge, which usually means that, you know, every now and then Texas will bring in these judges that are just like locals that nobody's heard of. And like people did some background checks on him and on his judging previously. And he's like barely judged any fights. Like it's, it's weird. So I went and looked up his bio, which I was able to find. Um, and... It turned out that he was like a ro- an actual rocket scientist that worked for yeah. NASA and like ran like some space education programs and like real like real credentials in like in like yeah. the astronomy space. So yeah. uh, my tweet, my very clever tweet, which is I think among my finest work, was uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that Casey O'Neill won that fight. But in fairness, the judge that scored it for Roxanne Modafferi is an actual is rocket scientist. Roxanne. That is awesome. That's yeah. nice. That is good. That must be your best tweet. It's up there. It's yeah, there. it's up there. That's good. That's <laughs> and then people awesome. are like, where do they find this guy? And yeah. and then and then people are like, how does this qualify him to 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 uh, judge fights? But he has like a lot of actual martial arts credentials. He's like a black belt in Aikido, which apparently people thought was like n- not Enough. real karate or something. I don't know. People are posting pictures. Of yeah, Steve, but it's, Steven it's not MMA. No, it's but he not, also had, he also had like he had he had worked uh, done Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He'd like done a lot of different dialects of martial arts. I've been doing martial arts for 32 years. I still will not consider myself qualified to score UFC fights. If you took the if you took uh, John McCarthy's cl- command course, though, you would well, be. And that's, okay, but and that's what that, he and that guy still has. Not enough. I need experience. I need to maybe well, shadow somebody. That's, that's what it is. Look. You're probably experienced to judge a mixed martial arts fight on a regional level and get reps, and then maybe in like ten years or whatever it is, can move yeah, up to calling major earn promotions. Earn my ranks to get right. there. But it seems like this guy didn't do that, and then had two bad scorecards in a row. Even though the Arlovsky Vandera scorecard, I think, is a little bit more justifiable, but. Yeah, it's uh, it wasn't a good look. Well, I'm glad that John Anik uh, saw that tweet. Though. That's good. That's I'm yeah, glad no, that those he guys it out on the show. Yeah, yeah. I like. You guys uh, seem like to be John. boys over there now. You're always being mentioned. You're on the show. It's awesome. And John and I were on a Twitter Spaces together yesterday, uh, talking about this uh, UFC NFT project. Oh, nice. Yeah. He's all involved in it. Well, I think he's like. I don't know if it was set up through the UFC or what, or like why he jumped on because it seemed like it was very educational for him. He didn't know much about what it was about and uh, you know what the deal with with it was. And I, I I've been DMing with him with just like how it works and stuff and trying to like teach him a little bit about it. I yeah. I also kind of made him look bad on the uh, on the spaces where I feel really bad about. Okay, yeah. this is some beef now. No, no, I apologize no. to him. I sent him a message saying I didn't mean to make it look bad, but you know. He was. Okay. I, I asked him. I go, if I told you a UFC fighter nickname, would you know who? Would you know who I was talking about? And he was like, Yeah, probably. And or like maybe. I don't even know if he says, Yeah, probably. I said, Who's El Jefe? And he wasn't sure who it was. And it was Jeff Molina, who was like the only other fighter that was like actually on the spaces. So I was like, oh, I was yeah, trying okay. to put it on a tee for you. He's the only guy that's on the spaces. That's like. <laughs> So whatever. Yeah, then he made him look bad in yeah. front of him, Molina, yeah. eh? Yeah, so I okay. felt that. Molina was sending the laugh emoji on the uh, the, the, to- the space as he, he got a kick yeah. out of it. That's a hard one. That's a hard one. Yeah, though. it is no. a hard one. It's a yeah. hard one. I don't know if he's even called Molina's fight. You know, I guess he must have because Molina fought at one of the pay-per-views against, um, uh, what's the name of the dude he fought? Not Sumaderji, but another fighter. Uh, Ori Kileng. That was a good fight last year mm. one of the pay-per-views. But, uh yeah, so, but, but I digress. Let's get back to uh, the action uh, from UFC 271. Any, any final thoughts on the main event? Uh, no, I just thought it was good. Maybe a little bit more of what you think uh, Whitaker's direction should be from here. It's a good question because there aren't a ton of great options. I would say you put Whitaker against Sean Strickland and see where Sean Strickland's at. Like, yes, I like that that's, too. That's what I would personally do, but then you're also eliminating a, a fresh opponent for um, Israel if Whitaker wins that fight. But honestly, like, I think that a Whitaker trilogy fight is, like, it's a little bit more palatable after that fight. Like, I think a lot of people would like to see a more definitive win for Israel, even though he has one, of course, over Whitaker the first time around. But I think a lot of people have realized the improvements that Whitaker's made and that he's probably going to be the only person to really hang with Israel in this division, at least for now. Although I do think that Sean Strickland would be a really interesting matchup for Israel, just, like, from a matchup standpoint. Yeah. Now, do you think uh, some of the narratives I heard, and I actually thought it was interesting, Whitaker back to 170? No, Whitaker would never. He's told me personally in interviews there's no, no chance he can make 170. He said he's not interested. Yeah, because I, I thought that could be an interesting run again because I don't know if he ever beats Adesanya, to be honest. 
I think it's I think they'll fight again maybe in 2023 but uh maybe, but listen keep the guy's been the champion already like all he can do now is push for another fight and try to prove that he can beat Israel. I'm sure that's his sole focus. It's like how Masvidal wanted that second fight with, uh, with Usman. He's like, I need that second fight. I need to prove that what you saw that night wasn't me. It was a short notice fight, blah, blah, blah. Obviously we know how that turned out, but I think Whitaker, at least as somebody who's been a champion and really put that region on the map by becoming the first UFC champion from Oceania. Like, I think that there's still a good story there, but I still think that Israel He's definitely going to face Cannoneer next, it looks like, and then yep. and we'll get to that fight after. And uh, I think that Sean Strickland is another interesting one. But that's why I like the Whitaker-Strickland match. Like, let's see where Strickland's at. Because I think Strickland would actually be an interesting matchup against Whitaker. Yeah, me too. I think he'll be able to pressure him where it'll be difficult, and I don't think he'd be able to land the big shots. I don't think Whitaker would take him down too much either. It's a great fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes sense more, like you said, for Strickland than it does for Whitaker almost. But I still think it could happen yeah, if they're what, all What makes sense top, for Whitaker right? now, though? Like, what's Whitaker, if you're going to give Whitaker a guy that's like, I think Strickland's probably in the top five, like, still, like, that's that's where you want to be if you're Whitaker. I mean, there's also, like, Paulo Costa. I was going to say, I'd rather Paulo Costa Strickland, probably. Just I'm in the middleweight division. I'm not signing to fight Paulo Costa. Like, that, that what happened last time he fought was a complete weight? disaster with yeah. the weight. Like, him showing up and being like, no, I'm not cutting weight. It's like... If I was if I was going to sign up, especially if I'm Robert Whitaker who's a smaller 85er, that's a pass for me. I'd rather yeah. fight Strickland, a former 170. Now another narrative I heard: if the Yuri Prohaska beats Glover, now does Izzy go again one more shot at 205? I don't think so. Not not yet. Not yet. There's a lot of people lined up right now at 205. Like there's a backlog at 205. There's that Enkolaev against Santos fight. Like if Enkolaev wins, I think. That guy probably has earned a title shot at that point yeah. in time. And then there's also Rakic. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that are trying to work their way up the ladder in that division. So I think that Israel jumping the queue now, I don't know. Does if it make sense? Time. That would be a fun fight, though. It almost just seems like it's the better of the opponents if he would jump with Prohaska maybe over like a Rakic. Yeah, but it's okay. Glover's going to win that fight anyway, so it's kind of a moot point. Okay, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, Glover. I'm, I'm riding Glover, too. That's my guy. Mm-hmm. All right. Co-main event, Taito Ivasa defeats Derek Lewis, second round. Wow, that, this fight didn't go like I thought it was going to. I, I didn't realize they were going to engage quite as much as they did yeah. so early in that fight. And, uh, man, Taito Ivasa ate some shots before he was able to bounce back and, and land that, that elbow that dropped yeah. uh, Derek Lewis and finished the fight in the second round. That was uh, the only fight that I lost on all of my bets was the Lewis Tuivasa fights. I, I was spot on. I did Adesanya decision, hit that That's one. That's the only one I hit this all night. One. The rest of them yeah. were total tanks. But yeah, I actually looked at your edge picks. Uh, I think this week I've got some great edge sure. picks that are going to make us all a lot of money. This okay. I'm like, I've never I'm been confident. so confident about some of these picks, but we'll get to all that right. later on. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Tuivasa, I think he made a star out of himself this weekend. I think now... Uh, with him moving up the ranks, I think we got some exciting fights out of him. And I think, if anything, it gave him confidence. And I think that confidence is going to make him uh, one that we're going to want to watch. Yeah, I'm with you. And uh, the, the fight that I proposed after that fight was over was Tuivasa versus Cyril Gaon. That's the fight I want to see next at heavyweight. Oh, yeah. I think Gaon is a nightmare for anybody. But I think Tuivasa is not scared to come forward. He'll pressure him. He'll, he'll eat the shots. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's I funny. Like it. I, I posted that, and then the comments were like, Oh, Gon would kill Tuivasa. That's a terrible matchup. And then people were like, Tuivasa would floor Gon. That was it's a ter- <laughs> They were on like All opposite sides. <laughs> and I was like, I guess, yeah. I guess it's a good fight. <laughs> if, if people yeah, think but... it should be that lopsided, uh, either way. Yeah, I need to look because I mean, if you look at Curtis Blades, nobody probably wants to fight that guy. Well, it's already lined up. He's fighting Chris Dawkins in March. But I'm saying, if you're Tuivasa, it's probably not the best of fights, right? I mean, if you're a striker to fight a Blades who's going to want to take you down. Yeah, I I don't think a lot of like, yeah. If I'm Tuivasa, I don't want to fight Blades. But I've, that said, there's a there's a pretty good formula for beating Blades. Higher. Like these big heavy hitters have been able to stop Blades with like uppercuts and figuring out how big to shots. time yeah. his shots. And I honestly think Curtis should just focus on the feet. And I think that that him relying so much on his wrestling, if you're facing guys like a Derek Lewis and these guys that have good countering abilities, you're almost better off just. I thought he was beating Derek Lewis on the feet. If he would have stayed on this, like kept the fight on the feet against Derek Lewis, I think he wins that fight. 
Yeah. Why it works so well is because the striker now is just waiting for you to shoot. And then right. if you never shoot, it's like they're they're just waiting the whole time. So you shut down their offense, and then you get to con- accumulate points by striking while they're waiting for you to shoot. And right. you never and then shoot. if you're able to close distance and grab a hold of them, then and you go for the wrestling yeah. when you actually have the control. Exactly. Yeah. But Defend then again, the I'm, I'm just some guy in front of a computer right now. Nah, I'm not it makes sense, though. Yeah. It makes sense. I'm not, we can co- I'm not, as, I'm not Cody Donovan, his coach. <laughs> Talk all the crap. Vinny Lopez. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Strickland's been beating up a lot of those guys in the gym who've been talking crap. Apparently, he's no, Holland, uh, getting Holland. all these trolls. Kevin yeah, Str- Holland's been inviting people to like to oh, it's Kevin pay, Holland, not and paying their way. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's it. So be careful. We might be getting a, a Kevin Holland email. Well, I didn't say anything about Kevin Holland. I don't think I can beat Kevin Holland up in the gym. Oh. His manager gets me some gigs and stuff, so I'm all for Kevin Holland. I support him. Who? Or, support Oren Hodak? Oren, yeah. Nice he's guy. such a great guy. Great guy. I never met him. Um, Tuivasa is uh yeah i think he's right up there at the top now and i, I like that gone matchup but we'll see where uh, he ends up going uh jared cannonier overcomes a pretty tricky first round from Derek brunson and it looked like brunson was really out of it in that second round like he got hit with something early and it looked like he was like his eyes were not there if that makes sense yeah. like it looked like he wasn't yeah, really agree with you. fully there for much of that round it seemed weird like he was shooting from so far and like reaching he almost like Seemed like uh, he was out on his feet almost, and he became a zombie, like the way he was so far out. And, I mean, I think just uh, elbows were the name of the two back-to-back, right? I mean, it was the Candonier elbow, and then it was uh, Toivasa yeah. elbow, right? Mm-hmm. So two smacking elbows. We barely see elbows, and then we see back-to-back uh, elbow finishes. We had uh, a little bit of Matt Brown in the air there. Yeah, getting well, the elbow finishes. If you're Cannonier, there was no better way to finish that fight than that. It was just absolutely vicious. You've got the main event coming up, two fights from then. Like that's the kind of statement you want to make on fight night. And then him, him getting the mic and like getting right in front of Dana White. Dana, where are you? Where are you? you know, yeah, like, yeah. That, fight, that fight's mine. I don't think anybody's gonna argue that he should be next to mine. Yeah, no, big, strong, tough, focused. I think uh, now's his opportunity. I think Adesanya even. Uh, approached him kind of saying that you know what get a good fight and it's yours almost like so i think adesanya agrees to it so it's on i remember a couple of years ago i interviewed cannoneer and it was after he moved from heavyweight down to light heavyweight and i was like yeah you look really i'm like you look like you're in great shape at shape at light light heavyweight and he was like i actually want to move down to middleweight and i said to him i was like there's no way that you're going to do that i was i was just like yeah. he's a big dude i was like uh, and he was like well watch me and <laughs> well i have and he's found a, a, a home at middleweight, and it's been sustainable for him. He's looked very good, and he's been able to get big wins. Now, Derek Brunson, I know he said he had two fights left. Does this mean this is the last one? Yeah, the one coming this... up is the last one. And that's why I think it's important to figure out uh, an opponent that would make sense for him for, like, kind of his swan song. Now, I don't know if you want to put him up against, like, a an up-and-coming guy to try to, like, boost them off, off of Derek Brunson's back, and then if Brunson wins that fight, I mean, he ends up looking really good, but... Yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to see what they line up for Brunson. I mean, it was uh, a fun one would have been Holland, but he's moving to 170. He's already right? fought they wanted, But like the rematch, because okay. there's that beef all back and forth as an ending. I thought that could be, yeah. but, but yeah, Holland's, he, I think, Holland's committed 170 already. now. Yeah, I don't mm. know. It, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the winner of, uh, well, I wouldn't say the winner, but if... Uriah Hall? No, if Kyle Dawkins wins this weekend, like that would be an interesting matchup. Kyle Dawkins against Derek Brunson. Yeah, that could be fun. I don't know. I'd have to look. I'd have to look up and down the rankings because I don't think Kyle Dog is even ranked. Maybe you give him somebody in the top ten and see what he can do for his final fight. But I mean, Brunson looked great in that first round. Now, is Chris Weidman coming back? Uh, he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be coming back this year. That would make sense. I know. That's what I heard. I, I was like, is it optimal thinking and he's delusional, or is it actual really coming back? Like, I don't know. Like, I keep following his story because I think it's so intriguing. Like. I felt like a month ago he was just learning to walk again, and next thing he's saying in a couple months he's gonna he's be ready to fight or something. I was like, huh? Yeah, I guess we'll see. What happened? Yeah, well, I mean, we'll have to see if his body like... lets him do that. I mean, he's gonna have to train and be in the gym, and I'm sure take take licks and yeah. hope his body holds up, right? So we'll see. Yeah, but that could be something. That would be a great story. Like I, I I know they've been documenting it. I think you could make a really good documentary about his comeback, especially if he's, oh, yeah. like, especially if he wins his comeback. Like that'd be really interesting. Yeah, the mindset. I actually think Weidman even said in the interview, they were like, what about a Uriah Hall fight again? You know, so like since that happened with him and then you come back, could that be the good story to the documentary? You yeah. know, that's I like that idea, too. 
solid. Um, Hernando Moicano defeats Alexander Hernandez. Moicano looking great. You know, Hernandez just has all these holes that he never patches up in his game, and it really is interesting to me. Like, he's moved to Factory X. He was like a big fish in a small pond in San Antonio. Moves over to Factory X. Um, and he's really had a mixed bag of results. And, I mean, Moicano was hitting with that, with that uppercut over and over and over again. And I'm thinking, like, yeah. I'm sure he must have known that that's been a hole in his game that he needs to patch up. Yeah, adjust and do something. But I just think Moicano is maybe better everywhere, I would think, you know? So it was kind of hard for Hernandez. If he doesn't get his power going and well, on the outside, it. that's it. He, he doesn't really have going. options. Yeah. Once he gets his power going, he's going to knock everybody out. I mean, kid's incredible. But uh, I just think Moicano, a little bit more experience, a little bit better elsewhere, and it was too much. You just look at his losses in the UFC. It's Ortega, and that was a fight that he was winning, that he won the first two rounds of. Uh, Jose Aldo, the Korean Zombie, and uh, Rafael Fiziev. Like those are, <laughs> those, like those are no joke, right? Like those yeah. are his four career losses. So he was in a title contention almost, wasn't he? Moicano. Oh yeah, yeah. Back in feather when he was in featherweight for sure. But he's featherweight. He actually right? weighed in as a uh, as an alternate for the. Was it Holloway versus, I think it was Holloway Ortega, actually. I think it was the Holloway Ortega fight in Toronto. Yeah, he looked good. He looked confident. He was, yeah, he, he looked like he uh, he's rejuvenated. Absolutely, yeah. He, he looks great. Um, another guy looked great, Bobby Green. Mm-hmm. Defeats Nazrat Hackbrass. I had a great idea over the weekend for uh, Bobby Green to headline a UFC fight night card, five rounds against a returning Paul Felder. Because I know Felder's been oh. thinking about coming back, and I think that's the kind of fight that Felder would want to have in his comeback. Yeah, I mean, Bobby Green, just exciting. I thought you were going to say you had a good option of sending Bobby uh, Green to bazooka kickboxing and give him a few low kick options or something, you know? Just to add a few low kicks once in a while. That's my advice for everybody. Happy. Not yeah, just for Bobby Green. I agree. From Adesanya to Bobby Green, they should all be coming getting some low kicks. Bobby um, Green could be a big star, honestly. Like, if he gets a couple time. more wins, like he could have, like, this kind of career renaissance where people really get behind him. But because he just really kind of has it all. He's old school guy from Strike Force. He likes to talk in the cage and outside of the cage. He's got an interesting attitude. He's got an exciting fighting style. Like Bobby Green kind of has it all. Yeah, and, he, and, and like that unique fighting style, like for MMA, like who's using the shoulder roll, the Philly shell, rolling punches? Sean Strickland. Not, yeah, but <laughs> not as good as like different style of Bobby Green, but Strickland's up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but between those two, it's like, it's it's a cool style, and a lot of guys have problems with it. You have to beat that style with low kicks. You're punching, and it's just it's just very like when I watch Strickland and Hermanson, and I watch uh, Nasrad here. It's all like what stresses me out. I mean, it's good for the Bobby Greens and the Stricklands, but it just shows lower level striking, in my opinion. I mean, it's great MMA. You're not going to be a world champion kickboxer, but what both of those guys do against these guys is they just throw punches where they're rolling their head, but then I'm, and then or they'll throw a single low kick that doesn't land. The idea is once you start punching their head, they lift their head and move it backwards, which leaves the low kick. So you go punch to low kick. You would have finished Bobby Green and hit his leg 10 out of 10 times if you would have just done punch to low kick combinations. Don't commit on the punches because he's going to roll and counter. Just do some probing punches. Let him start moving his head left, right, backwards, and then just chop the crap out of the legs. That is the strategy against those types of guys and not even done once. And the whole, I would have killed my guys. If my guy was Haskrat or Hermanson, I would have been fuming. I would have had bloodshot eyes, screaming, low kicks, punch. I would have lost my my cool, definitely. Well, Nasrat trains like five hours from here. You could probably make it down to your gym. Yeah, I mean, single punch. That's it. And high guard, no head movement, no fainting, walking in a straight line against a guy who's diverse with his head movement, no low kicks. I think he fought very poorly. I think he fought very poorly. His manager tweeted after the fight and actually deleted it pretty quickly that Nazrat had a broken hand and a broken foot entering the fight. So that could probably explain some of his hesitations or, or some of his uh, lack of weapon usage. Yeah, but defensively, that doesn't help. If your hand and your foot, move your head a little bit, walking forward in a straight line with a high guard, it, it works maybe before, but there's higher level now that I think you're fighting Bobby Green. You can't just shoot. You, you have to be able to have more competence in that mid-range. So... Okay, good on Bobby Green. Good on Strickland. It works against guys who don't know how to strike as well. 
All right, well, Arlovsky wins a very Arlovsky fight against uh, Jared Vandera. Is now, if it would have been a unanimous decision, the, the judge that scored it for uh, Vandera was the same guy that scored it for Modafferi. He would have had the most unanimous decisions in UFC history. It would have been tied with GSP and Kamaru Usman. But because it was a split decision, he, uh, the, record, the record stands at 13 as opposed to uh, 12, which Arlovsky <laughs> has. Uh, and then, of course, Casey O'Neill versus Roxanne Modafferi, we kind of discussed. Kyler Phillips de- defeats Marcelo Rojo. Whenever Kyler Phillips fights, I do a TSN edge pick, and I pick Kyler Phillips by submission. And the one time I don't, of course, the guy wins via submission. He wins it, yeah. And it was third round, too. Got yeah, third it. round. And I always do yeah. the third round props. Yeah. Rojo is uh, he's fun, though. Rojo is. is fun. He wants to fight. I liked it. He came forward. He was aggressive. He didn't care. He he kept eating shots and coming and just a uh, tough. Uh... He is Mexican, right? Because he he's from Argentina, Moreno. actually. But he okay. trains with Moreno in Tijuana. I was going to say that Spanish blood, man. They once they if they're fighters, they got that spirit and he has it. But no, it's Argentinian blood. But I, I got you. Yeah, close enough. It's all grouped in together. Come on. Oh, this is South America you're talking about. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I got it. But they it's speak like, Spanish, right? Like in Argentina, I believe. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. close enough, Aaron. We're not getting – it's not a his, uh, geography lesson here. Right. But, no, he looked good. I, I liked his style, but Kyler Phillips something special. Well, they need to line Rojo up with somebody who's more his level. I mean, his two fights have been against Charles Jordan, up a weight class at 145 when he's a 35er, yeah. late, late notice replacement. And then against Kyler Phillips was a ranked guy. I don't know if he was ranked yet or is he, or i know he was ranked previously like we're talking about a, a top guy right like rojo needs to fight somebody who's outside of the top 15 and and in his weight class and i think he'll have a lot more success yeah i mean i it uh jordan beat him right jordan beat him. decision I no third round the... finished him in the third round oh okay that was the submission he ended up taking down his no no it was a I knockout totally I, lost? I think it was a third round knockout okay totally misunderstanding that fight but yeah if i recall i think it was a late third round i might be wrong but i think it was a late third round knockout in the third round. And uh, no, Carlos, looks fun. Carlos Alberg beats uh, Fabio Charant. Fabio Charant just was not doing anything in that fight. It was like almost yeah. painful to watch. Yeah, it was. Henry Hoof was screaming at him after the fight. Like, yeah, I, he wasn't I get, doing nothing. I get the backhaul feed, and, and Henry Hoof's like yelling at the guy. He's right in the guy's ear being like, what are you doing, man? Like, did, like you don't want to win these fights? What? He just froze. It's a deer in headlights. Yeah. Carlos looked okay, though. He kept his composure, did his thing, didn't overcommit. But... Uh, yeah, Fabio did nothing. But maybe he should have overcommitted. Like, maybe he should have tried to get to a knockout against the guy who was pretty idle in that fight. Yeah, no, I was. Uh, that was one I was kind of like, uh, I was yelling at the screen. Mm-hmm. I was like, come on, buddy. Like, I just <laughs> kept saying, come on, buddy. That's, I couldn't, I was torn, I was totally thrown off by it. But, yeah, good on Carlos, though. I'm a, I'm a city kickboxer supporter, so I like when seeing their guys do well. So, uh, good on Carlos. Ronnie Lawrence versus Mana Martinez, fantastic fight. Uh, Ronnie Lawrence was having his way with Mana Martinez in the first two rounds. I think it was a 10-8 second round even. And then Mana Martinez came to life and uh, almost almost scored a finish towards the end of that third round. Yeah, this is the early prelims I didn't get to watch, so you okay. can fill me in here. Well, I just did. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do the rest of them. Jacob Malkoon, who's a training partner of Robert Whitaker's. Uh, you yeah. know, kind of a feeling out process in the first. Dobson was landing some good stuff, and then Malkoon went to his wrestling and his grappling, which is what he is his bread and butter, and was able to get a win there. Uh, if you are going to watch one fight from this uh, early prelims, it was the fight of the night. Douglas Silva, D'Andrade against Sergey Morozov. Mor- Morozov drops on D'Andrade in the first round, probably a 10-8 round, hurt him badly, and then it cut his eye badly. And then Silva, D'Andrade in the second round, completely flips the table and, and drops him three times Ends up getting a, a rear naked choke to finish the fight. The unbelievable fight. One of the better. And that was a fight of the night too. I heard. That was the fight right? of the night. Yeah. I yeah, saw some pictures been. and clips from it where it looked like an entertaining fight. Yeah. So. You should go back and watch that one. It was a good yeah. one. And All then right. you've got Jeremiah Wells defeating Blood Diamond, who's a uh, training I partner that one. of Izzy's. I watched that. Yeah, I watched yeah. the first two of the prelims. I mean, he did a good Early job of, of fighting it off for as long as he could. I mean, if you want to give him credit for something, but Jeremiah Wells is a really good grappler. He tra- he, dra- he grapples with. Um, the likes of uh, Pat Sabatini and um, what's the dude's name? Sean Sean Brady, like those guys in Philly. Yeah. It's a really strong now, camp. Blood Diamond was supposed to fight someone else, I believe, right? And this was a couple... yes. I forget who he was supposed the, to fight. The worst fight for Blood. Oh, Diamond. terrible Come matchup. On, let's be honest. And it's it was the short worst notice, fight but for yeah, him. bad matchup. I forget who but, he was supposed to fight originally, but it was a much easier matchup, if I recall. Yeah, you got to give him something a little bit more. Again, Blood Diamond kind of made a mistake. Let's be honest. When Buddy was uh, trying to run around the cage and then tripped, Blood Diamond kind of rushed to kind of get in his face. 
and then that's how the grappling exchange started. What was the guy started. doing? I was confused about that. I've never seen like, anybody do that before. He, I guess his toe got caught in a cage when he was trying to run around yeah. or something, and then he clipped and tripped. But Blood Diamond rushed him. I was like, at that point, man, just stay back. You know, it's just the start of the fight. Like, I mean, yeah. when Blood Diamond rushed him, and that's how they ended up in that grappling exchange. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Problematic. Uh, Maxime Grishin <laughs> defeats uh, William Knight. Ends up as a heavyweight fight because Knight missed weight by 12 pounds. Joe. Yeah, only 12 pounds. Only 12 William, pounds. Come on, buddy. And uh, Grisham just picked him apart at range. Uh, good win for Maxime Grisham. Um, My big joke with William Knight is I met him at a seminar. One of the seminars I was teaching in California. And he's like, oh, this is before he even got into the Contender Series. So he's like, oh, you know, he's like, oh, Joe, I'm a fan of yours. I watch all your stuff. I was like, oh, he's like, I was like, oh, where do you fight and stuff like this? Like, I can't tell you right now. Then he took me aside and it's like, don't tell anybody. He took me in the chamber to say that I'm going on the Contender Series fight. So I was like, what are you, a middleweight? And he looks at me and he's like, Middleweight. I guess with the clothes and everything, like he's not that I tall, could, right? I could barely he's probably make like light heavyweight. He's probably like five know, nine, five ten. Clothes. Yeah, and I was like, I thought he was a middleweight. So the big joke with him now is I call him a middleweight, but he's massive. He's a huge Now that guy. I see him with no, he, again, if you see him with no shirt on, it's a different story. I saw him outside of a a gym with like you know all of his regular clothes on. So to me, he was a middleweight. Dude looks like he could bench press a car. He's a huge guy. Oh, yeah. He benches like 300-some-odd pounds, like 20-something. Watch his Instagram. It's the most insane athlete I've probably seen in, the, in, in, the, in a weight room. He's just undersized for the division as a result. Like these guys like Maxime Grishin, who are like six foot three with long range, are going to give him issues. He's just like he has yeah. a lot of trouble closing that distance, unfortunately. Yeah, he's got some work to do. I still think he's green. Uh, like He's very green as a mixed martial artist. I still think he's got to develop. He got away so much with his power and his athleticism that now he needs the skill to match. Absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else outside of this weekend's card that we should uh, address. Well, AJ McKee versus Pitbull 2, scheduled for April 15th. Uh, okay. That's it. That's an interesting one, of course. I'm, I'm eager to see how that one plays out. I mean, if AJ McKee ends up winning in the same fashion as he did last time, uh, the star's just going to continue to rise to new yeah. levels. And he's, what, only early 20s, too, like right? Mid-20s, yeah. I think 26, 27, yeah. Okay, a little older than a kid special. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he'll become a two-division. Like, I think he'll challenge for the 55 title as well in the future. Um, do you, does he do uh, a Chandler and eventually we see him in the UFC? He's one of those big superstars that maybe could do it. Who, AJ McKee? Yeah. I think we'll see him in the, in the UFC at some point in time. Yeah. But he is represented so. by the same management as Francis Ngannou, so there could be some hurdles there to overcome. <laughs> yeah, just a few. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to see if there's any other news, but nothing else that I can... Uh, Nothing else that catches my eye. I know Kayla Harrison was going to sign with the PFL, and it looked like that fell apart, so we don't really know where she's going to end up. Yeah. Well, I still hope, again, she gets uh, the most attention she deserves because she's probably, you know, we need to see who's the greatest female, and she needs the big platform. Well, I mean, she might end up fighting Cyborg. Who knows? Apparently, Bellator's in the mix. She joked about moving down to Bantamweight, and a lot of outlets ran with that as if she was being serious, so... Uh, she said, like, if it was, like, the ultimate opportunity, she might, like, check, check with a dietitian to see if it was, like, something she could do. But uh, it no. doesn't look no. like it's probably not, probably not in the uh, foreseeable future. You just got to start now. Start a year out, basically. Half a pound, slowly start trimming some muscle off. Yeah, it's there, it's there. I don't think she wants to. I think she'd rather fight at 55 or 45. Yeah. Yeah, it's smart, but if there's no opportunities, cut some food out. That's true. Uh, Johnny Walker, Jamal Hill, main event this weekend at UFC Fight Night was supposed to be RDA um, taking on uh, Raphael Faziv in the Battle of the Raphaels, but that has been yeah. moved to the co-main event now of UFC 271? 272. 272. Uh, in just a couple of weeks' time. Walker versus Jamal Hill, decent main event. I mean, if you're going to have a main event yeah. that uh, was already on that card, you're going to bump one up. That seems to be the right one, and I think that that's a pretty good main event, to be honest. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, a very tough matchup to even pick. Like, I'm trying to think on who I would pick in this fight. I, I like Hill just based on his long, rangy, you know, type of striking, but Walker's the same thing. What do I like about Walker's long, rangy, unique style of striking? Um, I don't know. I, I don't think this should uh, be a minus 250 for Hill, but I don't know. Am I missing something here? Well... The issue is that Johnny Walker in his last fight against Tiago Santos looked like a tentative point fighter, right? Like and Tiago I think that, Santos too, right? Yeah. Top of the division, and former title contender. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, 
and Jamal Hill looked like a world beater in his last fight, right? So it could just be a momentum thing. Personally, the only thing I'm going to touch in this fight, if, if I'm going to take anything, is fight starts round three at plus 110. I mean, we ha- every single five-round fight has gone to a decision so far this year. Not to say yeah. that that's like a trend that matters, but uh, at the same time, I think that this fight starting round three is uh, likely to happen based on the way that Johnny Walker fought in his last fight and based on Jamal Hill also going the distance in previous times. Like, Jamal Hill's got hands, but he doesn't, he's not necessarily a potent finisher. Yeah. Jamal Hill's last fight refreshed me. It was a quick finish. Wasn't it a first-round finish? Yes, but I'm trying to remember who it was against. Uh, let me look it up. Yeah, because I remember it was a first-round finish, and it was someone good, too. It was, um, let's see. Sorry, I had the wrong person up here. It was against Paul Craig. No, sorry, that was yeah. his last loss. It was against Jimmy Crute. It was a fit Jimmy in Crute, 48 right. seconds he knocked out Jimmy Crute. Yeah. Who apparently tore his ACL and was out until next year. So get well soon, Jimmy Crute. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, this is an interesting fight. I don't see Walker plus 200, but, hey, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm leaning Hill, but I think Walker could uh, do a little bit more uh, than the odds are showing. Well, I mean, if you're looking at value, like there, there are places where you can get Johnny Walker at plus 240. Like, I mean, you, you almost have to take him at that price. It's yeah, a light heavyweight fight, volatile. It. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm, I'm, might be missing something. I, I know Jamal Hill's fantastic and rangy and a good finisher, good hands, but... Walker's good, man. We all talked about him being a title contender before that uh, about two years ago now. Yep. Yeah, fight starts round three. That's that's where I'm going with that I one. Like I, I don't have a pick. I like it. I don't have a pick. Um, yeah, I don't have a pick right now either. Dawkins versus Jamie Pickett. Now, what's the knockout prop, by the way, for Walker in that fight? Just out of curiosity. Walker went like, eh, plus 300. I'd rather just take a money line. Um, yeah. Kyle Dawkins minus 275. Jamie Pickett plus 220. Uh, I'm taking the Dawkins sub prop here. He's plus uh, 250 to win by sub, and I think that that's how this one plays out. Yeah, I think Dawkins gets the win. Sub's realistic, so yeah, I don't mind that bet. I like Dawkins. He's a good kid. I like, I, I don't know, something about him. I just like his style, his personality, and quiet guy, but just, I don't know, something about him. He's got it for me. Parker Porter, minus 255 against Alan Baudot. Uh, I, I'm going to, I like Parker Porter to win here. I think the Porter KO prop actually at plus 140 has a lot of value. And I think the Porter round three prop has good value. Plus 1,000 for Porter to win in round three. This is a guy who takes a little bit to get going, but the guy just never tires out, has a, a big motor and keeps going and going and going. So um, I like that prop as well. Uh, if you want just a long shot prop. Yeah, I, 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 remember, I just don't remember who he's fought, but when I've seen him, he just doesn't look like a finisher to me. Porter? Like, I didn't, yeah. He's not a very good finisher, but it's just his level, this this level of opponent. Like Alan Baudot, let's look back at Alan Baudot's resume. Yeah, I wasn't really overly impressed with Porter's like pop so here's, in his So punch, here's Baudot's you know? last three fights. So he lost to Rodrigo Nascimento. It ended up getting overturned as a no contest. I think Nascimento popped or something. Uh, something silly, though. Um then he lost to Tom Aspinall. But here's the interesting one, because I learned about this from listening to the Dogger Pass podcast. In 2019, he got a, dis- a disqualification win against Todd Stout. But he actually got finished in that fight by Todd Stout, and Todd Stout tested positive for marijuana, which the Quebec Commission didn't like make a no contest. They just gave Baudot win. a win. Yes, I remember so he got that. In- so he got into the UFC off of a win from a disqualification. And then nice. prior to that, like his wins are against an 0 and 2 guy, 6 and 11 guy, 4 and 3 guy, 15 and 9 guy, 15 and 22 guy, and 0 and 0 guy. So, yeah. like, I just and, and he used to fight at like middleweight as well. Like he, he, you know, he's he's a pretty small heavyweight. Yeah. So, um, okay, yeah, I, I just think that Porter should win this fight, and I think Porter will get a finish at some point because Baudot tends to tire out in his fights. Okay. Jimmy Miller, we got on there too. Yeah, Jimmy, this is a weird one because Jimmy, Jim Miller and Mota, the opening odds on this when they were first supposed to fight was like almost even money. And I was going to actually take Mota. Yeah, it was Jim Miller minus 120 and Mata plus 100. And I was going to like pick Mata uh, when that fight was coming up. And then it got canceled for whatever reason. I think it was COVID protocols. And now the, the fight got reopened, even though Miller's coming off of a win at Mata minus 180. So you're getting a lot of value if you like Jim Miller here. I don't really have a pick yeah. for this one, but just uh, some food for thought. Yeah, and I think uh, Mota's still second UFC fight. Still this, I think, new, is right? going to be his UFC debut, if I'm not mistaken. He won on Contender Series. Has he won since then? Oh, maybe that's where uh, he looked familiar, but he's yeah. seen for... All right, so I must have watched him on the Contender Series. I mean, so. if you're taking a guy off Contender Series and putting him against Jim Miller in his first fight, like, 
I don't know, yeah. man. Mata looked good on Contender Series, but I mean, this is Jim Miller. Like, this is a seasoned veteran. <laughs> so I yeah. might end up taking Jim Miller. And at, the odds the are in favor of Mota, too. So you can get Miller at some plus uh, money. Miller inside the distance money. at plus 250. But I might, just take, I might just take Miller outright in this fight. I don't know yet. Might as I well. Haven't, haven't done it yet. Uh, Joaquin Buckley versus Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Now, this fight should be good for as long as it lasts. I think we're going to see a KO here. I think it's going to come early. The under 1.5 oh. is minus 110, but I'm not really going to touch this fight. Though I mean, Al-Hassan by KO at plus 225, I think, is the best value because the Buckley KO is plus 130, but the only way Al-Hassan wins fights is by KO. Like, Al-Hassan, has he ever won a decision? Like, has he ever won a fight not by KO? Yeah, yeah. So you're leaning, you're saying Buckley? No, I would say Al-Hassan by KO. Al-Hassan by KO. At plus 225 is the best value. Because okay. let me go and look at Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. I don't think he's ever won a fight not by KO. Like, I don't think he's ever won a decision or submission in his career. Let's look. Yeah, 11 wins, 11 knockouts. Jeez. So why is that prop so boosted? Like, why would you even bother taking him to win on the money line at plus 125? You can get a free dollar on KO, and that's the way he's won all of his fights. Yeah, yeah. You got to play the odds, and that's what betting is. Yeah, so we'll have to see. David Onama against Gabriel Benitez. Onama trains under James Krause, looked good in his debut. He's a minus 150 favorite, and uh, the comeback on Benitez is plus 130. I might make a play on this one, too. I like the Onama by decision prop at plus 450. I like Onama's last fight went to a decision. He was fighting up a weight class against Mason Jones. He continued to have a good motor late in that fight. Uh, Benitez is not the easiest guy to stop. I might go in that direction. Like, I just have a lot of long shot plays for this card that I think there are just some really good value feeling. on these props. Hmm. Trying to think who else stands out. Uh, in terms of the, these, these plays. Yeah. Just on some bets and, uh, that come up. I'm just I'll watching give you a couple the others, now. Joe. Yeah, keep keep letting them the go. Car. I I'll need keep, to write get down. Get your pen and paper out, Joe. This that's is some it. valuable information. Here. I am. You okay. called it out that this is your most confident week, so that's why I'm picking the brain. Yeah. All right. Jessica Rose Clark minus 190. Stephanie Egger plus 160. Don't really have a strong read on this one. Um, the over the like fight goes to the decisions minus 175. Not great value there. I mean, that that would be a decent parlay piece, I'd say. But I'm Jessica Rose on. decision, but. That's kind of what I would go. Yeah, what's Rose Clark decision pay? Rose Clark by decision is plus 130. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Not a ton of value, but I'm just going to stay away from it. I think it's a bit of a volatile fight, uh, especially these odds. Uh, Chaz Skelly, his retirement fight, minus 200 against Mark Striegel, plus 170. You know, Skelly's had a bit of a layoff, so I'm not really confident either way in this one. Um, I don't mind the under 2.5, but it's not one that I'm planning on touching. Okay. Now, here's the one that I need you to circle, Joe. Jonathan right. Pierce, minus 350. Christian Rodriguez, plus 270. Now, Christian Rodriguez was on the Contender Series, and he missed weight by a couple pounds. He was like 138 for a bantamweight fight, and I think two pounds. And he looked like a killer in there. Like, this guy, is, he trains at Rufus Board. This guy has a lot of skills. And I think that you, even though it's a short-notice fight, getting him at plus 270, I'm taking that. Like, I think that I think that Christian Rodriguez wins this Jeez. fight. Nice. So That's I, it. That's confident. Yeah. I, I think JSP is a good fighter, Jonathan Pierce, but... Uh, I'm just—I was really impressed with what I saw on uh, of Rodriguez on the Contender Series, and was shocked that even though he missed weight, they didn't give him a chance. But now here's his chance. Short yeah, notice fight. Plus two seventy. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Plus two seventy. Plus two seventy right now. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm in on that. Diana Balbiza is minus one ten. Gloria Depala is minus one ten. Pick 'em fight. I'm taking Balbiza here. This fight's mostly going to take place on the feet. That's Balbiza's bread and butter. I was yeah. not impressed at all with Gloria Depala. Um, on Contender Series, she she ended up like she was fighting somebody who was I think one of Ronda Rousey's judo teammates, who had just like no striking, and Depala didn't go for the finish. Like she just kept it standing and was able to win like a decision. And I thought like there's no way they're gonna sign her. She like she should have finished that fight. They ended up signing her, <laughs> and yeah, she's just yeah. been unimpressive since. So I think Belbitsa at minus one ten is actually great value here. Yeah, and she kind of represents canada so we kind of support her too with my friend crew alin absolutely yeah, i actually Creek. messaged them after their last fight and i was like one of my i, I said my favorite part of the fight was listening to her coach uh alin in the corner because he's got that loud voice with the romanian accent and i've known alin since i was fighting years as an amateur like he used to basically put on shows when I was an amateur and I'd compete on his shows and his main guy at that time was Shane Campbell. Yeah. So we always Shane Campbell still going yeah. at it. Still yeah, going still strong. doing his damn thing. Yeah. He's the unified, I believe unified champion mm -hmm. out there in Alberta. 
But uh, yeah, just hearing them and the connection and that Romanian voice kind of gets me excited when they fight. So mm. good stuff. Well, I like it. I like her a lot here. I think there's a lot of good value on her at even money. Um, I would probably put her at minus 180 if I was making the odds on this fight. Uh, Chad and Helliger, minus 255. Jesse Strader, plus 205. I like the Helliger by sub prop here at plus 450. Let's go, Joe. Plus 450. We're throwing big darts this week. Okay. That's his debut. No, Chad, no? It's Chad's debut in the UFC, but uh, he's a minus 255 favorite. Strader. Oh, Strader's the plus 400. No, no. And Helliger by sub is plus 450. Let's go. Oh, by sub Let's plus go. 450. Okay, let's take that. You like that big positive money. I like I it. I do. I'm a value guy. So let's let's put together a little sample parlay here, Joe. All right. We've got Helliger by sub. Let's put that on there. Plus 450. We're going to put Belbitza on that at, at minus 110. And then we're going to put Christian Shut Rodriguez up. on there at plus 270. That parlay pays plus 3785. Jew. What did you just call me, Joe? Not just Joe. Shoo. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that so, is good. So 37 to 1 odds. Yeah. I like it. So let's. So that's your parlay. Those are the three that you those would Those are parlay. the three legs. Okay. And Helliger by sub. Diana Bell beats up minus 110. And Christian Rodriguez by plus 250. And if you really want to get frisky, Joe, you add a little docus by sub action to that, and you got a 134 to 1 parlay. There you go. You put $1 in, and you can make 134 bucks, right? Or you put $1,000 in, and you can make $135,000. Uh, That's and not you can too pay bad. Off your, you, can, you can buy a gym. You can, you can pay off your, you can pay off your home. You can, yeah. You know, you, it's all right. I'm just gonna go to the the yeah. bank machine now. Quickly take uh, just grab a quick hundred hundred grand maybe and just kind of deposit. No, I said it. one grand. I said one grand pays 135 grand. Okay, that's perfect. Yeah, there we go. So if you're willing to risk a grand, just think of it as buying a really like some high risk penny stocks. And there you go. Roll with it. Why not? Just keep going. You're that confident. Put ten grand now, Aaron. Yeah, Let's that's, go. That's crazy, Aaron's parlay of the week <laughs> at 135 to one odds. Yeah. Hey, you got to make money somehow, right? Yeah, I mean, hosting the show and doing my job is a good way of making money. But hey, if you want to make an extra... No, this is good money. This is play money. This, yeah, this is, is a side hustle money. This is money. This is, we're going private jet to the next UFC, Aaron. We're not watching it at home. We're getting Conor McGregor style. We're going to buy fur coats and, you know, we're going to go balling with chains and diamonds and rolexes that's what we're doing absolutely i'm, I'm with you joe so let's let's <laughs> let's get that all let's get that together now of let's course i think Ed helliger's the first fight of the night so you'll quickly know whether or not you've won whether or not that's you're it. on track to win rather <laughs> yeah so don't buy anything until the first fight's done mm-hmm. all right well there you go that's uh that'll do it i don't know if there's any uh any news that's come out in the last little bit anything we need to touch on but uh, i don't think so I, i'm trying to think if there's a I haven't really seen anything. I was a little bit disappointed with the shoe Ivasa thing that Tai Ivasa's put out. It's just like a beer holder. It's like a hold, it's a holder that looks like a shoe. Yeah. It's yeah, missing it was... that disgusting nature of uh, of of the disgusting essence of a shoey. Yeah. And and I was like, me and you aren't really beer drinkers, but we were could do a coffee. A, a coffee. Who says I'm not shoey? a beer drinker, Joe? Oh, I don't know. I'm don't, just assuming. Don't put that. Because I know you discussed you like your whiskey like I do, so I didn't know if you're Oh yeah, you do like beer. That's I forgot. You you love your craft beers. I forgot that. I, like I thought my, you were more the whiskey. I but... like my whiskey, I like my beer. Oh, okay. I just I like assumed wine. I classified not, you just as picky. a whiskey drinker. Yeah. And then I remember one trip I went on, you were giving me recommendations for craft beers there. And I was like, Yes, you do like them a lot. Mm-hmm. But I've I've spent way more money on whiskey over the years though. It's uh I have a whole cupboard. I've got like I've got, I'm pretty I'm pretty stacked. If you ever come over, you're uh, you'll be taken it's a, care it's of. It's a nice collectible though. I like it. I, when I have like a whiskey friends like that, sometimes I come over. They're like, hey, try this one, try that. And it's like their way of like sharing their passion, yeah. which is cool. You know, that's the best kind of friend to have is one that collects whiskey. Yeah, you come to my house, I'll be like, hey, watch this fight. No, watch this fight. No, you got to see this fight. He's going to Costa's house. Watch fights. And Costa's yeah. like, hey, check out this baseball card I have. What's that going to do for you? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, I know. All the time I go to his house, and I see them all over the place. I'm like, what, what am I going to care? What do I care Tell about? Costa I have to, to change, them, like, change hobbies. Worth? My number one thing is how much is this worth? If, I hope it's worth something. If it's in a plastic sleeve and it's covered and it's so valuable, how much is it worth? How much can you sell it for? This is what I want to know. I don't care what it is. I don't, I don't even know who's on the card. How much is it worth? But does it even matter to you? You don't own it, right? Like if someone's like, I've got a $6,000 card. It's like, well, good for you, buddy. No, but I've got a band that's worth $18,000. It's worth you, you care? 
selling cards or I'll be like, sell the damn thing and yeah. let's do something with it. You know, like, is it going to be worth $6,000 next month? Oh, but it's a collectible, but it's not going to be worth $6,000. If it's worth six bucks in, in a year, let's sell it. Let's make some, I look at it more as assets, as investment, you know, let's, mm-hmm. let's go. There you go. Well, I'm not trying to slide Costa or anything, you know. I'm just, I'm just saying that you're, that if you go to a friend's house and they're showing you the collection of sports cards versus their whiskey collection, I think you're going to get a yeah, little bit more out of it. If you're, if you're on yeah, the other I'd side rather of that go coin. to your house than to look at Costa's cards. I want yeah. to go to your place. Yeah, exactly. Tell Costa, you and Costa yeah. can both come over. We'll we'll take a we'll we'll take a deep dive into the collection. <laughs> into collect. I have I have friends now with other. I don't know. COVID was the year of the collectibles. I mean, everyone started, I guess, with the extra time. I have friends that went into pokemon cards i had figurines now some sort of figurines they're the collecting funko pops? not funko pops okay. i don't know something else but uh just different nfts everything it's everything's collectible now everybody wants collecting is back mm-hmm. yeah it's back for now and then once for the now. world gets going again and people start traveling and get busy again sell-off time <laughs> That's, uh, Liquidation. Do you have any trips planned now? Are you going back to any events? Well, my wife and I, we have our 15-year anniversary, so we're thinking of a place to go in August. We're, we're kind of trying to figure out where. My in-laws have agreed to watch the kids, and we're going to get like three or four days to go somewhere. And now where that is, I don't know. We're still kind of trying to figure that out. Um, in terms of events, I don't think I'm going to the next one, but I'd like to go to Jacksonville in April, so we'll see. Because you were, what, a month ago you went to the last no, one? No, New York, right? November. November. It's been okay. a while again. So yeah, with things opening now, I'm, I'm, you you're planned this year to do them more back on a regular schedule, so. or no, who knows? This, I I don't like to look beyond like one day at a time in this uh, this this world. In we this world, don't yeah. know what's smarter that way. I would but like it's to do nice it. Always nice to have the you know the, the positivity of being able to do our thing like we used to. Yeah, well, I think that that will be a, there will be a time for that. Although, who knows? Maybe I'll just maybe we can just keep doing it this way. I don't mind it this way. Yeah. yeah, I still want to jump on one trip with you and not work or anything and just be back. Shadow me. Yeah, I'm just gonna it, just talk to people okay. and network. I'll just network while you're doing interviews. I'll go walk around and I'll talk and I'll hang out. No, I mean I you can know. also do hits with hits with me for TSN where we talk about you know you can that break can down do the that. striking angles of the fights and break break. Yeah, down. I'm down for that. Yeah, I just I just like to chill and hang out and and I just one of my things is I love going to events where I don't have to work. Mm-hmm. Because every I love glory events, but I'm working every yeah, event. Awesome. I'm, not, I'm always, and then even when I go to MMA events, I'm cornering. I'm in the back room. I'm getting guys ready, so I never really get to go to events and just sit and enjoy them. By so. the way, speaking of which, apparently people were criticizing Bisping's performance. Do, do people realize that Bisping jumped on a plane on like Thursday to come to Houston and had to research every single fighter on that card in like 48 hours? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like do, I, I, I think don't think people get it. Him what for the main his main call right on the Izzy fight saying that he was biased or something. Thing? Yeah. Is that well, what I was? scored it the same way as Bisping, so I mean, if he's biased, I he then just... I guess I'm biased too. But I mean, I don't understand why people are, are piling on Bisping. I thought he did a great job given the circumstances. Now, now since we're, we'll, we'll do a little ten-second rumor here. Why did in your um, circles? Why did Rogan not go to the event? So I don't really know. So this is the thing. I've reached out to ESPN to see if they had any sort of statement on it, and they said that the UFC are in charge of production. What my guess is. And I, I don't think that this is a popular guess, and I think people are probably going to say that whatever. I'm drinking the company tea by saying this, but I think that Joe Rogan didn't want to make the show about him, and that he decided to, that there was too much of a microscope on him that week, and he wanted to sit it out because he wanted the show to be about the fighters. Now, Fair. I don't know if that's true or not, and it very, and it very well could be false, and I don't know. And yeah. another thing that I found out about was, you know, th- did you hear Dana's comments after the presser? Yeah. Where he said that the reports were BS. So I got mm-hmm. clarification on that. And he wasn't saying that the reports that he had a prior commitment were BS. He was saying that the reports that ESPN asked them to pull him off the card were BS. Yeah. So there was a little yeah. bit of something lost in translation there. He didn't word it quite as well as he probably should have. Yeah. Because then I, it looked I, like he was throwing his own team under the bus because the, because the UFC officials were the ones that said that um, he had a prior commitment. Because I heard Brandon Schaub says, like, once the real story comes out, you'll realize how of amazing person Dana was. To su- and he was all in support of Joe Rogan. So it wasn't like Dana telling Rogan not to come or something. But again, all speculation. I just wanted to know if your side heard anything. 
Um, no, not, not, nothing official. Nothing that would like where I have a definitive answer for you. But but if I was Rogan personally, I wouldn't want to go because there's too much hype right now. Going to an airport, going on a plane, everyone, you're the center of the. I mean, he could have right driven. Now. He's in Austin, and the show's in Houston. Okay, yeah, but I mean, staying away from people right now yeah. is what I would want to do. I would not want to be near people right now with all this country. I couldn't trust you. Most people support you, but there's a lot of people who hate you and can't stand you right now, too, at the same time. Like, I still get people coming to me and be like, oh, Joe Rogan science. I was like, people think just because of who he is that they discredit. So there's a lot of hate both ways. So if I'm him, I'm staying home and I'm staying with my family and I'm staying safe, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's a good way of looking at it. I, I just don't have any real insight for you on this. I, I personally, uh, personally, I think that if I had to guess, it would be that he didn't want to make it about him. But yeah, I, I don't have I that's not. I haven't exactly. heard anything okay. along those lines. That's just my like sheer speculation on my part. Yeah, we should have done a nice conspiracy and got people. You talking. have Joe's number. Shoot him a message. <laughs> yeah. You're the one who nah. can get the scoop here, not me. No, that's that's his own personal stuff. Yeah. I just like to. But you're asking me to. You're asking time. me to reveal his personal stuff to you. That was how we. Was I was like, what you've heard? Started. Maybe what you have heard. You yeah. know, yeah. I'm concerned. You know, I, I, I honestly like. I, uh, I appreciate his commentary. I like him. I like him as a person. I think it's uh, a nice touch when he's on the broadcast. So that one, that little bit of a difference is nice. Not that Bisping and uh, Cormier aren't great. It's just uh, he adds a different element of confidence of conversation that well, I we all liked, enjoy. I like the Bisping and Cormier dynamic because they had a little bit of buddy buddy to them. But it was also very like it seemed like Bisping was able to really kind of help focus Cormier on, on the commentary. Like I, I think they fed off each other really well. I, I think that they should go with that team more often. To be perfectly I agree. honest, I agree. I think if without the Rogan, that might be my favorite. I like I like Bisping. I think Bisping's he'll say how it is. He's got that. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll say it like an Englishman. Cheeky. He's mm -hmm. got that little cheekiness to his commentary. That uh, I think it's good and it plays well with Cormier. I still think Dominic Cruz is a little too serious all the time, and it's fun to have jokes. You just called fights for five hours, guys. Have a little fun, have a little humor, like rip each other a little bit. So I think uh, they do that back and forth and have some fun, and it just makes me at home have a little bit more fun watching. Mm. All right, well, Joe, we'll get at it next week. We'll recap this card. We'll cash our 137 to one uh, tickets, and uh, yep. we'll call it a day. And buy our Rolexes. <laughs> all right, Joe. We'll see you next week. All right, boom. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.